just these little touches that go a long way. I think it's the accumulation of these things that add up to make Disney really special. Welcome back, everybody, to this week's episode of the DCL Duo podcast. And today we're excited because we have a very prolific cruiser who's also a very avid Disney fan. So we want to welcome Jason Leppert to the show. Welcome, Jason. Hey, thanks for having me. We're excited to have Jason on because Jason is a travel writer, a blogger. He's the editor of PopularCruising.com. He's a frequent contributor to Travel and Porthole magazines, Oyster.com, the Cruise Radio podcast. But most importantly, Jason, I think the statistic that I saw most recently is you've been on over 150 cruises. Is that still right or is it is it even more than that? That is accurate. The actual total is now 153. So we've been on quite a few. Obviously, we're on pause right now, but looking forward to getting back out there. Yeah. Wow. That's a ton. And the other statistic that's really great for, I think, us is that you are an avid Disney Cruise Line fan. So you've been on all four Disney ships. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah. I've been on uh, 10 cruises total, actually 11 cruises total uh, with Disney. I've been on all the ships and love every one of them for different reasons. Well, the magic number there, right? That means she platinum. So that's, uh, exactly. <laughs> that's, the, important, exactly. that's the important stat. <laughs> well, let's, let's back up for a second. Jason, where'd your passion for Disney come from, I guess? Yeah. So I grew up, I'm actually a native San Diego, Californian resident. I just love always going up the coast to Disneyland Park, obviously, and I've seen the changes over the years. I'm uh, 36, so I've uh, seen, you know, Disney California Adventure being built for the first time, and you know, obviously, you have Star Wars Galaxy's Edge now, and I just, I go up there all the time with my wife. We have annual passes, and we just can't get enough of Disney in general, so whenever, you know, Cruise Line got into the mix, I was just like, yeah, that's, that's the best of both worlds right there. Have you, have you visited any of the parks overseas? Yeah, so I've been to, I've actually had a chance to go to Disneyland Paris. I've also been to Shanghai Disneyland, which was incredible. Nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, the, the Tron ride is, it's amazing. That's like my favorite ride in the whole world right now. Oh Love my goodness. Thing. Yeah, well, soon, coming soon to Disney World, hopefully. So yes, yeah. I'm excited for that. Yeah. When did you start cruising in general? So I actually have been cruising since before I was two years old, believe it or not. I'm an, I'm an only child. So my parents were fans of cruising and uh, it was really convenient for them to take me along and they wanted to share their journeys with me and been doing it ever since. So, I, you know, I, it was never intended to be a profession of mine. It just sort of happened to be that in 2011, there was a call for submissions in my local newspaper for just kind of why you like to travel. And I specifically decided to write one on cruising. They liked the piece. They published it. And I kind of used that as a springboard to just happen to see if there was opportunities to write in the industry and there were and I've been doing it ever since. Awesome. Is this your full-time job then or do you have something else that you do outside of writing? No, this is actually full-time so it's been kind of challenging now with uh, you know the mm-hmm. pause and cruising but uh, I've been chugging along. I'm actually the, the cruise editor on staff at uh, Travel Age West which is a magazine dedicated to travel agents on the west coast so that's that's kind of what I've been working on and then I do my, my YouTube channel popularcruising.com is actually the way you can get to that. It's just uh, So that's good so yeah, I've been, been busy uh, still chugging along. That's amazing. It's so cool that you can sort of create a a profession out of something you just love to do. Absolutely. It's yeah, it's a passion for sure. Well, and so the 150 cruises, Jason, which which cruise lines have you been on and have they all been ocean cruises or have you tried other kinds of cruising? Yeah, I've had a chance actually to do the whole the whole gamut there. I've been on ocean cruising, river cruising, uh, even expedition cruising. The smallest ship that I was actually on was a 12-passenger tugboat that was built in 1912 and converted into a passenger ship. So that was pretty interesting. And then I've also been on anything upwards to like the 6,700-passenger Symphony of the Seas, which is currently the largest in the world. Had a chance to go on all of the, the cruise lines, you know, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, 
Carnival, all the way up to the luxury lines like Seaborn and Crystal, Regent, Silver Sea. So really the whole gamut. I, I love them all. You know, they, they're all very different. There's something for everyone. And it's just a fascinating industry to be a part of. Cool. And for itineraries, what kinds of itineraries are, or what's sort of the range of itineraries? I should ask that you've been on. You said, you know, river cruising, that tugboat cruise sounds amazing. But, you know, is this all over the world or are there sort of concentrated places where you mostly cruise? Sure. Yeah. No, I've had a chance actually to go all around the world. There's a couple places on my bucket list still like Australia, but mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've done, you know, everything from the Caribbean to Europe. I love Alaska. My, my all-time favorite itinerary to this day is Alaska. I go up there annually and I just, it never gets old. It's just so beautiful up there. It's God's country. And even in Europe, one of the river cruises I had a chance to do was with actually with Adventures by Disney. Oh, so nice. that was really cool. So they actually partnered with Ama Waterways and it was a really neat uh, kind of take on Germany and a, sort of a more of a narrative quality like Disney always does. And we just love that one. Oh. Yeah, we just signed up for uh, we're doing our first river cruise next December with awesome. Disney Adventures by Disney. We're going to do the the Christmas markets cruise. Oh, you're going to love it. Yeah, we're you're excited. We're excited for Disney Cruise Line. You've been on all four ships, which what kind of itineraries have you sailed with Disney on? Pretty much the whole gamut there, too. I haven't been to Europe on Disney, but I've been to the Caribbean on the Magic and on the Dream. I've always been the Caribbean because they have the three and the four night on that. Mm-hmm. Fantasy have been on the week-long ones uh, out of Port Canaveral as well. And then the Wonder I've had a chance to actually sail on twice in Alaska and once on a California coastal, which was cool. And that was actually a Pixar-themed cruise. And I think it was in 2012, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, wow. And that was fun because, yeah, the whole team was on board just talking about, you know, the Pixar process and they had a whole bunch of different art that was on display. It was really neat. Yeah, I don't think they've done those in quite a while. So that's... No, they haven't repeated it, which is surprising because I think yeah. it was really successful. Well, yeah, Pixar would be interesting from a theme standpoint, especially like Star Wars, Frozen. They're interesting, but I think there's a broad audience that loves Pixar movies. Well, and, right. to, and to be able to hear from sort of Pixar creators, that's an even an even better opportunity than just sort of the, the normal theming that they do with Marvel and and with Star Wars. Exactly. Yeah. And I've actually had a chance to, I've been on the Star Wars Day at Sea Cruise and also the Marvel Day at Sea Cruise. And those are just unbelievable. Those are really cool. The Marvel one, did you go out of Miami or was it out of Port Canaveral? Because I, I don't, I think they only do them out of Miami now, but I think. I think, yeah, yeah, now it's not Miami, but uh, when I did it, it was out of Port Canaveral. And uh, it's really cool because what they do is they, you know, you always have the, the pirates in the Caribbean with the fireworks, but they actually transfer that over to doing either a Marvel themed display or a Star Wars themed display. And that's just like taking it to a whole nother level. It's yeah. so cool. Yeah, we did the Star Wars when we haven't been on the Marvel one yet. That's the one we really want to do. Yeah, but we, we don't really want to sail out of Miami just because it's not close enough to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> At least until Richard Branson finishes his bullet train. Yeah. Um, well, let's shift gears over to your site, Jason, or your, I guess your, your site for your vlog, popularcruising.com. Like when, when did you start that and, and what made you sort of get into, I, I, I want to share my passion and love with everyone here around cruising. Yeah, definitely. So 2011 was when I wrote my first article for my local it was San Diego Union Tribune newspaper. And then in 2012, or actually, so the first thing I did after I wrote that article is I started working for cruisemates.com. They're no longer around, but I decided to start my own brand in 2012, and that's popular cruising. Predominantly, you know, I, I always had an interest in video. I actually studied graphic design, photography, and video in college. Oh, cool. I was always just a good writer on the side of that, so I didn't actually study journalism per se, but I get to use all of my creative aspects of my personality all come together with, you know, cruising now. So I I have my YouTube channel and 
really popularcruising.com is just really a good portal where I bring all of my videos together. It's just a little bit easier to navigate all my re video reviews that I do. In fact, I have a video review for every Disney ship. So that's a really great place to check those out. I have really like actually one, some of my best videos have been the Disney videos. Everybody's always super excited to see what those are all about. So if you want to look at Disney fantasy, wonder, dream or magic there, that's the place to go. Well, in my opinion, the Disney ships are the most beautiful, you know, cruise ships yeah. out there in the industry. Um, not to say that the, the other cruise lines don't have some really cool things on their ships. But I think from an aesthetic standpoint, the Disney mm -hmm. ships are just the best looking ones. Yeah, they're just that classic traditional look, Yeah, you know, kind of like dating back to the old Cunard Ocean Liners. Yeah, I think it, it's it's funny, but the two, what do they call those things? The the stacks, the two stacks, even, yeah, though, even yeah. though one of them isn't actually necessary exactly. for anything engine wise. The two stack look is it just brings back that classic ship mm -hmm. look that I know they don't need. And I know it takes up space. And and so, you know, some of the other the other cruise lines don't do that because they get more deck space without that second stack on top of the ship. It's just to me, the look is sort of worth those those small sacrifices. Absolutely. Yeah. They spare no expense as it, as it were. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jason, what other kinds of content are people, will people find over on your, on your vlog? Right now it's predominantly uh, video, but uh, if you want to look at my writings, uh, those are at travelagewest.com. But uh, yeah, I just, I really just like sharing it all. And you know, it's like, it's a job, but it's a passion. So it's, it never feels like a job. I say I'm never fully working. I'm never fully on vacation. It's kind of like a hybrid of the two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's always a joy. And your videos. So I, it sounds like the most or a lot of them are, are videos of like sort of touring different ships that you've been right. on. Uh, is there other content of, of uh, other video content on your, on your site as well? Yeah, I occasionally do other things like I'll do, you know, I'll focus maybe on tours or like you know, even shore excursions, that kind of thing. But predominantly every time like a new ship comes out, I have a chance to go on that. So I'll, the first thing that I always try to put up is like a tour and review of, you know, whatever the newest ship is at the time. The latest one that I did was the Carnival Panorama, which is actually a ship that's based on the West Coast. And right now it's being uh, repatriating crew members until it comes back to service. But yeah, that was a great trip. And it's exciting that the West Coast is starting to finally get a little bit more attention on cruising. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, we're hoping that they'll put one of the Disney ships out here at but yeah, I, mean, I think well, it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We, we know. I mean, obviously they come out to the West coast. The, the wonder comes out to the West coast and does those Halloween on the high seas cruises out of San Diego. And then they do the Alaska season as well. But we're hoping once the wish comes out, maybe they'll have a ship more sort of permanently on the West coast. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Especially when you have three new ships coming out, one of them is bound to be permanently located on the West coast. Yeah. yeah that's so. what we're hoping for, for sure. So when you do these these tours of the ships, are you doing them when you're cruising or are you doing them sort of during one of these travel agent or journalist only like previews? What's sort of what's your yeah. your method yeah. normally? So usually it, it's like a preview cruise where there's a lot of travel agents on or other writers, um, different media uh, members. So I, if it's it might even be like a shorter cruise, like it might be that it's a ship that does week long cruises, but we're on it maybe for two nights. So it's uh, a bit of a challenge to in that period of time sometimes, especially <laughs> if it's something like the Symphony of the Seas to capture oh, every single venue like I, I i remember tracking my steps on that i think i walked like seven and a half miles on board a ship uh one afternoon just capturing it it was unbelievable so, wow that's like being yeah. at disney world <laughs> right exactly yeah that's like you said you, you guys do the run disney stuff so it's like that on board you know so yeah that's crazy my does goodness it, does it change how you vacation jason like like it, i'm always curious when people sort of do travel writing travel vlogging sort of more for a living like does it right. change how you experience the product and how you vacation and, and that sort of thing 
You know, I'm sure it does because even when I'm on like a cruise just for myself, I'm like always thinking like, do I need to be taking a photograph of this or videoing this right now? (laughs) You know, it's like sometimes, you know, they'll put a dish out at the restaurant and it's like, oh, I started taking a bite of it before I took a photo. It's like, no, it's okay. You're on vacation now, you know, (laughs) but you're always thinking in the back of your mind, like it's kind of hard to take off that hat sometimes. Yeah. Um, But yeah, like I said, it's, it's a blast. So I never, it never feels like I'm fully working. So in either case, I'm, I'm always thrilled. Yeah. Does that bother your wife when you have to stop and like take a picture of everything? (laughs) She's kind of used to it too. And she's, she actually has her own social media uh, channels as well. She actually has Mrs. Pop Cruise or Mrs. Popular Cruising on Instagram and Twitter. So she, she does her own blogging and stuff. So she enjoys that as well. Oh, cool. We'll we'll have to have her on for her candid reviews of your site, Jason. (laughs) 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 Well, so, Hey Jason, we were excited to have you on for, I think, a couple of reasons. One is to kind of maybe educate our audience based on your experience around some of the other cruise lines and then to perhaps kind of maybe start to juxtapose that a little bit against Disney. I think yeah. Disney fans get kind of sucked into that Disney bubble and then, you know, it's, it becomes almost a religious experience for people and they just, they, they, they don't know what else is out there sometimes. And so I always think yeah. it's good to sort of step back, check and make sure the product you're, you're loving is still the best product available kind of thing. So, but let's start with your sort of general cruising background. And I'm wondering, like, how do you sort of divide up these different lines of cruises. And actually, before I get there, Jason, let me ask one other question. You mentioned you've been on a lot of cruise lines. Does that include any of like the European cruise lines like B&O and, and, and some of those? You know, I haven't sailed on P&O or like Aida in person. I've had a chance to tour a Costa ship and that was actually on a world cruise uh, at the time and it stopped in San Diego. And, you know, really, those are kind of the same. The only thing that's really different is like Costa is pretty much an Italian based carnival. Essentially, the ships are almost the same. It's just really the, the language that's that changes on board. And instead of you know hearing English first, you'd hear Italian first. So that's really the difference on those. So, so how do you think about div- dividing up the cruise lines? Is it the traditional kind of like, you know, budget cruise line, you know, I don't know, luxury, luxury. <laughs> you know, like how, how do you think about the different cruise lines and how they kind of compare across and maybe the audiences for them? Yeah, I usually fit them across four buckets. I usually say standard, premium, upscale, and luxury. So in standard, you know, I'm putting like Carnival, Royal Caribbean, Norwegian, uh, MSC, that kind of thing. So these are the ones that are more the mass market cruises that are, you know, not, I want to say cheaper, they just maybe a better value. And then premium would be like, say, your celebrity cruises, Holland America. So I think Disney sometimes gets grouped in with Carnival and Royal Caribbean, but I really think that they're on a higher level. I think they're actually closer on par with celebrity cruises on Holland America. So I actually put Disney in premium, in my opinion. So upscale, then you would also have Oceania, Azamara, and then even Viking. They have mm-hmm. the ocean product, which is fantastic. I have a put into more upscale kind of approaching luxury. And then in luxury, you got like Regent, Silver Sea, those kind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and where do you think about like the demographic that they're targeting for some of these? I mean, I've always perceived that like, so we've been on some celebrity cruises with my parents. It seems like celebrities kind of targeting their market, Disney, Royal Caribbean are kind of going after families, you know, those sorts right. of things. Like how do, how do you think of as people are sort of deciding where should I head? Cause luxury sounds wonderful, but if you step on a luxury ship and you're in your thirties or forties, I think it can feel like a very different vibe than being on a Royal Caribbean ship or a Disney ship even. Totally. So those four categories are usually separated by budget, right? Mm-hmm. And luxury ultimately means all-inclusive. So you're paying a lot more up front, but you're getting more on board. You're not having to take your card out all the time to you know, pay for a drink, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But of course, luxury ships generally are smaller, so they're going to have less to do on board, less of the activities. Whereas, you know, on the other end of the spectrum, you have Royal Caribbean and like the Symphony of the Seas has dozens of, you know, restaurants on board and theaters and things to do. Go-karts and escape Yeah, like Norwegian. And- that's so cool. I love 
those go-karts. Yeah. So it really just depends, you know, what you're looking for, what you consider to be valuable in a vacation. Mm-hmm. Which which cruise lines do you think are good for for sort of setting Disney aside? Because I think they're sort of like, we're the family cruise line. Like if you're a family, come sail with us. But what other cruise lines do you think are really good for sort of that family atmosphere? I think for family, like Carnival offers just a great value. I mean, I know Carnival has kind of gotten a bad rep, you know, because there's a certain stereotype around that brand. And I admit, I even used to think that. Mm-hmm. And then I went on Carnival for the first time and I was pleasantly surprised. I think they actually offer a great product that's suited to really a broad category of people in, in the United States. And they offer a fantastic family product. And so does Royal Caribbean and Norwegian. They, they really all do. And the thing is, is like you can actually go on like maybe three or four Carnival cruises for the price of a Disney one. Right. But it really comes down to what you value because Disney has so many differentiators that the other ones don't have. So I'm thinking like, you know, they're the only ones that have fireworks at sea. It's the only place you can go and get, you know, you know, your photos taken with the characters. And and just even the fact that the music's always playing, like just something about Disney music playing down the hallway (laughs) just takes me somewhere else, you know. So granted, you could do you know, more cruising on another brand. And I actually do recommend trying that. Mm-hmm. There's no reason you shouldn't you know, branch out to other brands, but there's just something about Disney that just always pulls at the heartstrings, right? Yeah. yeah. With Carnival, they get sort of a rep for being sort of party cruise. Do you do right. you think that, you know, and, and when I say party cruise, I mean sort of your young adult age. So, you know, anywhere between, I don't know, I'd say sort of 18 to maybe 29 um, and sort of being, uh, you know, with a lot of drinking on board, a lot of partying on board. And so I don't think of them so much as a family cruise line, but I, I've heard others refer to them that way. But I've, to be fair, I've never been on a carnival cruise. So, sure. you know, is your impression from from having been on carnival cruises that maybe that reputation is not fully deserved? Yeah, you know, I think when you, you get down to like the booze cruise demographic, that's it's you, it's really coming down to the itinerary. Like if mm-hmm. you're doing a two night cruise out of Long Beach, you're going to maybe have a little bit more of that. But it's really not as bad as I was expecting. Mm. Really, the longer cruises that you get more of a family element because they have the time to take off. Right. Mm-hmm. So if it's a weekend, you know, getaway, maybe you're going to have more of that, that booze element. But the longer the cruise, the less so. And like I said, the, the Carnival Panorama, the new ship that they have that's actually based in Long Beach, that one is a great trip. It's the, the brand new ship. And that one actually comes year round out of uh, out of that destination. So I think that's a really great one to try. Yeah. Are there particular lines that you find are better for particular sort of itineraries or destinations at all that they they really just have a, a better experience for, I don't know, say Alaska or going to Hawaii or whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like Princess has been up in Alaska for years. So has Holland America and they kind of have that market down pat. They're really good for that. You know, the thing I always look for in Alaska is having a good observation lounge. Um, As much as I love Disney, the Disney Wonder has they they updated. It was the Outlook Cafe a little bit, I think, to have an observation lounge. And it's it's just a really small space. And now I think it's only available to the suites now. They've actually changed that. So I really like having a lounge that's on the very top deck of the ship, forward facing. And the ships that have that are like Celebrity, Holland America, even Viking that's starting to go up to Alaska has a fantastic observation lounge. So these are the things that I kind of look at because it's cold and you you can definitely be out on deck. It's not as cold as people think it's going to be, but you know, you still kind of want to bundle up a little bit. So to be inside behind a, you know, large glass panel and looking out in all directions, that's really key in Alaska. And I think that's what makes those stand out. And and you said you've done some European cruises. Do you have a, a favorite line over there that you like? You know, again, they're all they're all great. It just depends what you're looking for. I think Viking is really an interesting contender right now. They offer um, what, what's interesting about Viking is that they took everybody knows them for river cruising and they had a lot of inclusions on the river and 
rather than going into the ocean market and taking a lot of that back, they actually offered a lot of those things for free still. So you have uh, one free shore excursion in every port on their ocean trips. You have free Wi-Fi, things like that, that you normally always have to pay extra for. So it's actually a very good value. And they're really just opening up a lot of these markets in Europe and actually offering them year round. So, you know, you might go to Italy and the Mediterranean uh, in the summer on other lines. They'll actually be there year round. So you can actually go there when they're less busy. And, and what about sort of, I think there's, there's folks who look at it as the ship is the way to get between ports versus the ship itself is the destination. I, I don't know. Do you, do you have any thoughts around kind of the lines? And it seems like Royal Caribbean, Carnival. I mean, they're making the ship the destination. The ports are exactly. secondary. Celebrity, I feel like, is a little bit different in that regard. But, but I don't know. I don't know if you have any thoughts there. Yeah, so celebrity would be kind of like, I would say, hybrid almost between Viking and Royal Caribbean, right? Because they have, they're, they're still larger ships, but they don't have, you know, necessarily all the bells and whistles that a Royal Caribbean shipper is going to have. So it's kind of offering a little bit of the, of the best of both worlds in that regard. Yeah, I guess the new Edge, like they have just a lot of yeah. onboard sort of yeah, amenities that are new. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious, like some of your kind of thoughts around on the different lines, like do you, do you have a line that you think is particularly good with like food or a set of lines that are particularly good with food? Yeah, my favorite one for food is actually Oceania Cruises. They're one of the upscale lines, and they just offer some really cool dishes on there. It's one of the places you can actually get like lobster for lunch all the time. So oh, wow. Yeah, so it's really it's, it's surprising because it's not one of the luxury lines, but I really think overall they're fantastic. I do have to say, though, of the luxury lines, if you're a fan of like Thomas Keller, I'm thinking like Ratatouille. He was one of the consultants on that movie. Mm-hmm. He actually has his own restaurant on board uh, Seabourn, and that is my all-time favorite restaurant on a cruise ship. But I would say overall my favorite for food is Oceania. Oh, we love Thomas Keller. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so good, right? We went for an anniversary up to the French Laundry, or I should say oh, down awesome. to the French Laundry, up from you, down from us to the French yeah. Laundry, and it was an incredible meal. Yeah. What about So what about onboard activities, Jason? Any, any, ones, any of the particular lines stand out for really particularly good onboard activity offerings? You know, I think it comes down if you want just like the ultimate in choice, like, you know, the Royal Caribbean ships that are, you know, the big ones like Symphony of the Seas, Harmony of the Seas are going to offer you the most overall. Mm-hmm. But if you're looking for specific activities, like you were saying, the go-karts, like that's something that's a, sort of a hallmark for Norwegian. Mm-hmm. So if there's certain things that stand out to you, like I want to try that, then, you know, look for those specific lines for sure. What about water slides? Who does the best with water slides? Ooh, I mean, on ship ones. Yeah. You know, I still think the Aqueduct on Disney <laughs> is still the best because it's the only true water coaster. Mm-hmm. Some of the other ones that are pretty cool for that, though, are Norwegian. They have this one that's like a figure eight. It's it's one of the free fall ones. It's like the Aqua Dunk mm-hmm. on the Disney Magic. But rather than just going down once and doing a little corkscrew, it actually you gain enough momentum going down that you actually go uphill a little bit. Oh. Backtrack, go up a hill a little bit again and then finish off. So that one's pretty exciting. Oh, that sounds cool. That's the one that's the one Disney ship we haven't been on the Magic. So we have not. Oh, okay. So we have not. We were supposed to go in September, but but it was out of Dover. And the, yeah. Mm. So anyway, we moved it by a year. So we'll get on there. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully the weather won't be too cold to get on there. Well, I will do the aqua dunk regardless of how cold or <laughs> even warm it if is. it's freezing. Oh, yeah. It'll be September in Alaska. It'll be September in Europe. It'll be fine. Um, what about, so actually one that I don't know that I put on here, but Sam sparked for me was pools. Like who who has like I mean, I, I saw a video recently of uh, who was it, Virgin Atlantic and their pool. And I was just laughing at how tiny it was. <laughs> But I think people complain about Disney's pools a little bit. And so I'm just curious, like, who has the best pools out on, out on the ocean? That's interesting. Yeah. So, again, I go back to Viking a lot of the times, but they actually have one that has a zero edge actually in the back of their ship. Oh, cool. So it's really cool. It's actually like a glass panel and you can actually be either above water or below water looking out beyond the stern, which is, I think, really cool. Wow. Yeah. 
So, yeah, again, it's just, yeah, because some of the, the pools are smaller. And like you're saying, Virgin, they have a really tiny pool. I don't know why they did that. I think that was a mistake that they made there. But Disney, you know, like that's the thing, like even between the, the Magic class and the, the Dream class, I think the pool for the adults only is actually, I think, better on the Magic class than it is on the Dream. So mm-hmm. it just all depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, that's a good point. There's definitely variety even within each cruise line as to what ships are better for um, certain amenities, for sure. Exactly. Who do you think has sort of the the best state rooms? And, and that could be defined by size or what they look like or, you know. Yeah, I genuinely think Disney did something really cool with the split bathrooms. I think that's just a really cool design innovation. But not to sound like a broken record, I had to go back to Viking Ocean again because they, I think, have really set the, uh, the standard for bathrooms now. Mm. You know, so many times you go on a cruise ship and the bathroom is just like this, you know, postage stamp size shower that's in there. And it's like hard to turn around it without making contact with all the surfaces. <laughs> and Viking actually put in very, like even their entry level staterooms have a very good size shower mm. and it goes a long way, I have to say. So. I hope more and more of the cruise lines will follow that model. What about shows? You know, I think Disney gets a lot of credit for the onboard shows that they do. But what what have you seen from my sense is that the onboard sort of shows are actually stepping it up across the industry. But what's your sense? Yeah, no. So I think it's interesting. I think Disney was really the one to set the standard on that because they have narrative shows and not just reviews like so many of the other cruise ships have had for years, where it's just, you know, a bunch of pop songs and they're singing to them. But nowadays you're starting to see a lot of remounting of actual Broadway shows on, you know, Royal Caribbean and Norwegian. And I think that's really stepping up the game really across the board because I think they're realizing that people want to go and actually see, uh, you know, Greece on a cruise ship or actually see uh, Rock of Ages and things like this. And it's, I have to say they're really cool shows. So they're really, again, sparing no expense on those. Yeah. Well, and I love that, you know, I love that they kind of abbreviate the shows. So they're not quite as long as like a Broadway show. Cause that's kind of a pretty long, especially for like kids to sit through, but still getting the full story in something that's closer to like a movie length, you know, like exactly. an hour and a half to me, that's a, it's, it's a great option to, you know, yeah. to be able to, and frankly, they're included in the cost, right? Whereas if you right want to go to Broadway, you're paying a hefty, a hefty price tag for the show tickets. And then obviously just the cost of going to New York is, is extremely high. In itineraries, Jason, have you seen any lines out there that are really kind of innovating in the itineraries that they're offering? I mean, we, we go on a lot of Caribbean cruises and you watch the, all the ships leave port and then you're in the next port the next day, all the same ships are there. So like, <laughs> well, they like, might right. do a slightly yeah. different order, but yeah, yeah you'll, but, you, you get yeah. to St. You get to St. Thomas and there's, you know, three or four ships docked mm-hmm. at the same time mm-hmm. from different companies and, oh, yeah. and you're all yeah. at Megan's Bay at once. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's interesting. So really, you know, the, the, in the last 10 years, I would say the alternative to ocean cruising has been river cruising for itineraries and changing things up and actually having more of these inland locations. But in the next 10 years, I think what you're seeing now is there's going to be a boom in the expedition market. And the reason I think for that is because a lot of people that have been on these cruises, like you're saying, that have done what I would call the usual suspect supports are wanting to try things a little bit more off the beaten path. And that's what really expedition cruising is all about, because now you can get into Antarctica, you can get into the Arctic, you can go to some of these uh, more tropical destinations that the larger ships can't even fit in. So I think that's really exciting. I've actually had a chance to do a couple expedition cruises and it's just amazing. You you know, you get onto a, a smaller ship to begin with, maybe it's, you know, the 200, 300 passenger range, and then you get off into a Zodiac and then you're off, you know, birding and you're off going through, you know, different icebergs and things. It's just a blast. Oh, cool. Who's doing these expedition type cruises? Yes, yeah, so Silver Sea has been one that I've been with before. They have, the, you know, their luxury brand. Um, they have some smaller ships that do uh, expeditions. I've also been on one called Uncruise Adventures in Alaska. They're fantastic. But now you're starting to see a lot more of these new players come out 
the ones that are in the ones that are in play now have taken older hardware and made it work and they've always updated it and that kind of thing. But this is really the first season where you're starting to see a lot more brand new ships being built specifically for this market. And it's really going to change the, the competition. I'm trying to remember whose website I visited recently where they were touting their new expedition ship and they were like showing it go through like ice breaking trials and like that kind of thing. And it was like it was one of the luxury cruise lines, I feel like. But yeah. Yeah, that may have been Ponant. I think Ponant's actually building a specific icebreaker right now. Yeah, it's 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 fascinating. I mean, what I remember from the early days of us cruising, we're seeing things like, what was it, the Paul Gauguin? Isn't that celebrities mm-hmm. sort of expedition ship and it would go to the Galapagos? But it seems so like Paul Gauguin Galap- is a different brand, but the they, celebrity has the celebrity Flora, which is their brand new okay. ship that just came out in Galapagos. Okay, yeah. yeah. But it seems like the Galapagos Islands have been in play for a while, but this, this idea sure. of going to the Antarctic is a little bit different. Do, do you sacrifice much in terms of onboard amenities and comfort when you're doing some of these expedition cruises or is that where the industry is trying to catch up a little bit now? You know, you, you do to an extent. I mean, you're, you're definitely going to have, you know, it's, it's kind of like a return to basics. You're going to have maybe you're just your one main restaurant, your one main lounge. But this, the category, the cabins themselves are usually pretty good. The staterooms are usually still very comfortable. But yeah, it's it's a return to basics in that you're not going to have all the bells and whistles of like the larger ships. But really, the activities at, on a ship like that are more ashore than they are on board. It's really the focus is more about the destination anyway. And I think the people that go on those cruises realize that that's, that's really what they're there for. What's the market demographic? for, you know, for those cruises, obviously I'm, I'm assuming they're sort of closer to the, the upscale or luxury market in general, but what's sort of the age demographic for those? It tends to be more of retirees and those that can take off the time for it because generally expedition cruises are a little bit longer, but they're, they're coming out with ones that are, you know, shorter as well, like more of the week long. And you, you do still see some younger couples on those every once in a while, but it's, it's definitely more of the retirees. Mm-hmm. But active, I assume. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Setting aside Disney for a second, like service, I mean, I know the service is probably going to get better the more you pay for the cruise. So as you move up the market, you know, you would expect a higher level of service. But are there any cruise lines that you've been on that really stand out at any end of the market for the quality of service they're offering on board? You know, yeah, it's it's like what you said, like the more you pay, the the more essentially what it comes down to is the crew to guest ratio at that point. Uh, so a ship that has closer to one to one in that regard, you're going to have just that much more dedication. And that's generally true of the luxury lines. But honestly, I think considering how many people are on board a Disney ship, I think they really have great service. And so even like Disney, I think they do such a great job with the rotational dining that you have the same waiters going you know, from restaurant to restaurant and you get to actually know them a little bit. I think that goes a long way. So I think that's really cool. You know, the other area that I think people pay attention to is loyalty programs, right? They, mm-hmm. Disney's come under a bit of scrutiny because they've got so many people who are platinum and above now that, yeah. you know, they're starting to peel. They've peeled benefits away over time and such like that, that their programs coming under a, thing right. of a little bit of pressure. Not, yeah, the perks are not as good as they were when they started. But, but you know, are there loyalty programs out there for folks who really, you know, want to pick a cruise brand and stick with it that you found particularly good? Yeah, I actually, I think Princess has probably the best loyalty program. And that was actually one of the ones that I sailed with with my family. You know, back my very first cruise was actually on the Royal Princess, not the new Royal Princess, but the one that came out in 1984 that was actually christened by Princess Diana. And so we've actually, you know, we have the highest loyalty um, level with Princess. And they actually have, you know, things as far as even including laundry. You can just send out laundry as much as you want. It's free. Oh, cool. think things like that. When you hit that that level, it goes a long way. So if you're like on a week long cruise, you know, in the Mediterranean and you don't want to pack so much that your your luggage weighs, you know, over the limit for an airline, you can go over there and just have the laundry done daily. And it's just super easy. That would be definitely 
influential for me because I do laundry on on our Disney cruises. I have been known to do laundry even on a seven night cruise. We went on an 11 night cruise. I definitely did multiple loads of laundry on that cruise. I've done a 10 day trip overseas for business and carried a carry on and I just sort of get the laundry done in the cities. Well, but on Disney, but on Disney, I, I will, I will go to the laundry room and do our laundry and then we'll just send out like the dry cleaning stuff um, because Mm -hmm. it it does add up if you're doing, you know, more than maybe one load of laundry. Well, there's one guy who sails Disney and he says that it's cheaper to have his suit cleaned on board than it is to have it cleaned in his home port. So yeah, well that, (laughs) I do think dry cleaning is, it's a sort of a secret tip. Dry cleaning is actually not that expensive on board, at least on Disney. I don't know about the other cruise lines, but, but laundry, if you have them launder, it, it, it does add up. Well, it's also kind of a Mad Max situation in the laundry room. So at times, so Jason, what about onboard technology? Like it, you know, they build these ships, they go through refurb quite a bit, but is anyone sort of doing anything interesting or innovative with, uh, with onboard tech? Yeah, I would have to say Royal Caribbean, I think, is always pushing the envelope with what you can do with entertainment. They're just they're the ones that have like drones and their shows. Carnival started to do that, too. But they have this one show where it's one of their ice shows, actually. And they they shut off all the lights and all these drones that have these little LED lights on them. And they just start, you know, doing this whole choreographed thing midair on a cruise ship of all things. That's, like, that's so pretty cool. sweet. <laughs> you know, they also have the ones with the, the aqua theater on board. So they have, you know, the divers and kind of a Bellagio style fountain all choreographed on the very back of the ship. So I think they're really the ones that are like, whatever new is coming out, we're going to implement it. And I think it's really one of those things that I, I hope Disney starts to use a little bit more of that because I, I love Disney and their narrative quality, but I think they could push it a little bit more with the tech. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'll say Disney's tech is always kind of, you know, like we're, I think we're all waiting with bated breath for this reservation system that's opening up on Monday and I ascribe a better than 90% chance the whole thing's going to crash. crash. But yeah. yeah. Disney yeah. is not yeah. known for their, for their IT at least. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> What about like sort of the, the, you know, the passenger tech, I guess I was the way I would describe it. I know, is it, who has the app? Like has the apps and apps and at sea medallions. And, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's, I mean, that goes back to Princess again. They have the, the ocean medallion is what they call it. It's essentially, it's like a watch band, but the, the device that's in there is kind of an RFID technology where, you know, even as you're just approaching your stateroom, it knows, it's your, knows you're coming. It actually has a camera on the door, does a quick facial recognition, and then it unlocks the door for you. So even if you're like coming back with food or you know, coffee in the morning, you, it'll just open up for you automatically. You don't even have to worry about that. So that's cool. And then just the fact that you can order food on, on the app that's associated with that medallion, you can, no matter where you are on board, there's basically all these little Wi-Fi touch points and they actually can actually pinpoint where you are on board. So if you want to order a drink, they'll actually bring it right to you, which is so cool. <laughs> that's so yeah, you're seeing a lot more of that as well. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Cool. I feel like that only exists on Disney in the kids club, right? In the kids club, the kids have to wear the magic, a uh, special kind of magic band with exactly. an RFID chip in it. And so that they can, when you go to the kids club to pick up your kid, they know what room your kid is in at any given moment. And they, they, you know, lock the band on, on your kid's wrist when you, uh, when you get on board, if you're going to use the kids clubs, but yeah, that doesn't exist anywhere else on the ships. Well, if there's anyone who's going to be authoritative on this Next question, Jason, it would be you, which uh, related to tech, I wanted to ask, who has the best onboard Wi-Fi? Ooh, that's a good one. Huh. What was that? Yeah, because hmm, let me think about that one for a second. <laughs> that was a challenge, yeah, because you definitely need that for what I do, especially. Yeah, usually the newer ships, the better off you are. Um, a lot of them, like Royal Caribbean has kind of more of a beam technology, I think, where they're actually using a specific satellites per ship actually now. So that goes a long way. I, I think they have a really fantastic connection. Even Carnival, I've had really good luck on their newer ships. 
Uh, yeah, but I think Royal Caribbean maybe has the best. I would have to give a little edge to them. Yeah, I was going to say, I see all the, all the time, like people doing like, you know, oh, free unlimited Wi-Fi packages. And it's sort of like, well, uh, unlimited, like bad Wi-Fi is still bad Wi-Fi. So, right. yeah. okay, the other place I think that we see cruise lines pushing more and more is these private islands or private Or private ports. beach clubs, yeah, private at, beach clubs. A, at an island. Or- yeah. Any any thoughts on some some of the lines that particularly stand out there? Yeah, I always thought, you know, Disney with Castaway Key, they definitely set the bar. But I think over time, there's been a lot more competition. So you have Royal Caribbean has their perfect day at Coco Cay now. Mm-hmm. And that thing, I actually haven't had a chance to go there myself yet, but they have like all these water slides. They even have a hot air balloon that takes you up and things like that. And oh, a wow. lot of them even have zip lines and this kind of thing. All Even beyond just the private beaches, you have different pools and things. So I'm really curious to see what Disney does with Lighthouse Point, because I think from the looks of it, they might have a zip line, Hmm. uh, maybe a little bit more in the way of interactive water features and things. So I'm really curious to see what they're going to do with that, because some of these other ones with, like I said, the zip lines I was in, uh, Norwegian has one and the zip line's pretty cool, I have to say. So. (laughs) I mean, it's it's, it's interesting because I think Disney is always trying to balance out, you know, especially when they've got an Imagineer like Joe Rohde on the Lighthouse right. Point thing. They're trying to balance out meshing with the island aesthetic while not, yeah. you know, while sort of having these fun things to do. Whereas it seems like Royal Caribbean and maybe others are just sort of like, we're going to put a theme park up on the beach. Yeah, we're going to, well, we're going to make the... the- the best and most varied activities on their island or on their, at their beach club. Yeah. Which enables them to push the envelope a lot more in terms of what they offer. But, you know, Disney's always trying to tell a story with what they're doing. So. Exactly. um, And I think, yeah. yeah. The other ones are, are less likely to integrate with the landscape, whereas Disney is definitely more conscientious of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's, let's shift over for a second, Jason. I wanted to like take some of those answers and kind of go back through and understand, you know, your thoughts about Disney as compared to some of these other lines that you've cruised on. So let me, let me just ask, like, I think we've defined that Disney is definitely geared toward families. Like that's their demographic that they're shooting for. What do you think about Disney Cruise Line for folks who are just sailing as adults? No kids. Because I think you've yeah, done some well, of that sailing, right? So. Right. So that's, that's, that's my wife and I actually, we don't have any kids. I mean, we love Disney Cruise Line. The thing is, is, like, you don't have to have kids to enjoy it. I think that's kind of a misconception because the thing that's great about Disney is that you have the adults only area still. You still have the kids facilities and the kids are so content in their kids facilities. And quite frankly, I wish I was a kid sometimes so I could go there myself. <laughs> you just want to wash your um, hands at the hand washing station. Yeah, right? right. Those are fun, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember like the Millennium Falcon on the Disney Dream. Like, man, I, w- I would live in that thing if I yeah. could. Uh, so cool. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing. Like the adults only spaces are so great on a Disney cruise, too, that you can still escape and not have all the kids and the, the kids are actually I think really well behaved. I think even when they everybody comes together mm-hmm. in the rotational dining, every, it's still just a fun atmosphere. And, you know, you can escape as much as you want. You can come together as much as you want as a family. And I think Disney's really the only one that does that so well. Yeah. Same with the shows. I think, you know, when you think about it, you know, for the rotational dining, obviously the you're going to be in the dining room, whether you have the early or the late seating, you're going to be in the dining room with a ton of kids. Right. And then same with the show, whether you have the early or the late, you know, dining matters what whether you see the early or the late show, you have the reverse of what your dining seating is. And yeah, you're again, you're going to have a lot of kids, but that doesn't mean you're not going to enjoy that eating experience or that show experience. Right. And even the adults uh, have their own restaurants, too. So on all the ships, you have Paolo for the Italian, but uh, especially on the Dream and the Fantasy, you also have Remy as one additional one. So you have that option also. Yeah. I guess, Jason, if you weren't a Disney fan, would you still think that it was a great cruise line to be on? Or, you know, I think there's a lot of people who gravitate toward it as adults only cruising because they 
they're they're Disney fans, right? Right. They right. love the characters. They love the movies. They love the Disney magic. Yeah, I think it certainly helps to be a Disney fan, but I think it's still one of the best cruises overall. Regardless, I think you know if you're looking just for a cruise and you've never been on any of the other ones, and you just want a really good food, you're really good entertainment, then it's. You know, again, you're going to have the characters and that kind of thing. So hopefully you can at least relate to that to some degree. But uh, I think just overall, it's one of the best vacations still. Yeah. And so I guess, I mean, that leads into me, Jason, like, where do you think Disney is strongest in terms of its offering? Is it, you know, food service? Like, wh- wh- I guess if you, if you had to pick some of the strong points of Disney Cruise Line, what do you where do you think are their strengths? Yeah, I think it's really those differentiators. Like if you're a family and you want the split baths when you're getting ready in the morning, that really helps. It goes a long way. The fireworks at sea, you know, Norwegian for a period of time did try that, but it kind of fizzled out and they just didn't continue with it. So that's the only place you're going to get that now is on Disney. There's just certain things that Disney does well you're not going to find on other lines. They just... It goes a long way to have even just like the magical portholes in an inside room. Mm-hmm. You know, Royal Caribbean has that also. But the, the fact that it has the little characters that pop up and animate, you know, just these little touches that go a long way. I think it's the accumulation of these things that add up to make Disney really special. The Marvel Day at Sea. You know, there's other, you know, theme cruises that are out there. But if you want Marvel, or if you want Star Wars, obviously these are Disney properties. So you're only going to get them on a Disney cruise. So I think that's really, really stand out. And, and I think Disney has, uh, we have a friend who loves to cruise Disney, and I think he's always sort of sold it to us around sort of the level of service you're going to get. And I think Disney fans recognize that argument from the theme parks and elsewhere, where if something goes wrong, Disney is usually going to prioritize the guest experience over you know whatever is going on. They're going to try and fix it, right? Do, yeah. do you find that that's, is that in fact unique to Disney or is it just unique to sort of premium cruise lines? Um, I think it's, you know, Disney's kind of set the bar on that regard with really great service. And that definitely applies to the cruise ships. But I think it's it's generally true of, of that category of premium cruising. And I think the really the, the best thing to think about with Disney is that they're not necessarily the same as Carnival and Royal Caribbean. You are a notch above those. I guess the other question about Disney is the price, right? The price is always they get compared a lot, I think, to Royal Caribbean. And the mm-hmm. price is consistently going to be above Royal Caribbean. The supply and demand there just dictates that that price. But my sense is, too, on Royal Caribbean, Carnival, these other cruise lines, there's a lot of upcharge, added charges, things that aren't included. Do you ever see that that gap really, you know, disguise in Disney's favor that it actually would start to pencil out a little bit? Yeah, I think Disney, because that's the thing, like even um, soft drinks, let's say you can go around the pool, get the soft drinks for free or even in the restaurants, like any other ship for the most part, you're going to be paying for that unless you're in the luxury category where everything is included. So little things like that that are included that uh, Disney has, I think, starts to separate those a little bit. So for sure. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I don't think it quite closes the price gap, though, even though I, I do agree it will it will get you closer. Right. It will it will right. close the gap to some degree, but it doesn't fully close the gap. There's still you're still going to pay a premium price for a Disney Cruise Line cruise, even even if you factored in maybe all of or most of those add ons. Right. To a certain extent, you are paying for the brand, right? It's like it's, you know, Apple products being aspirational, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You're going to pay a little bit of a premium for it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, you're paying for oh, for the uh, the horn alone, right? On the- <laughs> right. Well, <laughs> the shows and the, yeah. <laughs> well, let's, that segues me, Jason, into sort of a question we've talked about, sort of where you think Disney is strong. And, and I think the question I had was where you think they have kind of an opportunity here, especially with the new ship coming out. And maybe that's sort of the way to phrase it is like, where would you like to see Disney kind of step up their game a little bit? You mentioned the shows as one earlier, but like sort of where else, where else do you think they have an opportunity here? 
Yeah, so it's interesting looking at the rendering of the Disney Wish because it looks a lot like the Dream and the Fantasy, but there's a little bit of a bump kind of in the back of the uh, the ship there above the stern. I'm thinking, like, what is that going to be? I'm thinking you, you, there's been rumors out there about Disney doing this black box interchangeable right on land. Mm. And I'm almost wondering, like, what could you do about that on a ship? Could you do a dark ride on a cruise ship? And I'm thinking... You're going to do it. This might be the time to do it because out of Port Canaveral, the carnival ship that's coming out, the Mardi Gras, is going to be the first to have an actual roller coaster at sea. Wow. And the fact that they're basing it in that destination definitely means that they're going after Disney, right? So mm-hmm. I think, you know, yes, you have the Aqua Duck, and that's really cool. But I think they're really, the competition's starting to really eclipse Disney a little bit with the rides. So I'm thinking, okay, what is Disney really known for? They're known for their dark rides. Maybe we'll see a black box interchangeable ride on Disney. That's my prediction. I think that would be cool. So I think it's really the rides, you know, the shows that they can kind of start maybe amping up a little bit more. Yeah, we had a guest on, I guess, a couple months ago now who that was his wish was that they would with all of the like the Ratatouille ride and these trackless black box ride systems. Like, could they just kind of put something on a cruise ship and then they'd have the flexibility to change the ride up like at Star Wars Day at Sea? Exactly. Hey, new visuals, new ride. Or they could do something like The Void, right? Like some kind of VR type of um, experience, I think, would be, you know, they have those at Disney Springs and downtown Disney at Walt Disney World and Disneyland. I think those are, that's another potential because you don't really, you know, you don't need ride equipment for those. You just need the VR equipment and they're mm-hmm. really, really cool. We we had the opportunity to do one at uh, Disneyland. Yeah. I would love to meet the Imagineer working on that problem though, if, the, if they're doing it, because I can't imagine the... <laughs> Getting the ride to work, the limit the motion oh, yeah. sickness while the ship is moving. Like it's gotta be it's gotta be an interesting <laughs> right. problem. But yeah, yeah, super complex. Yeah. yeah. What what about I guess the other question would be, is there anything you're particularly hoping to see on the wish that that, that is not on the the dream and the fantasy? You know, yeah, I was looking at like like the staterooms and the amenities and things. Like one of the things that Disney hasn't had that other cruise ships have are just separable beds. So like if you're traveling oh, yeah. with a group as opposed to like, granted, Disney has, you know, couples traveling or couples with uh, or children and generally you're not going to need that bed separation. But if you're traveling in a group and you want that master, I'm sorry, if you want that king bed separated into two twins, having that option on other ships is actually really helpful. It's, just, it's a little thing, but I think that would go a long way. Yeah. And they, they could have they could sort of make it that a select number of rooms. They wouldn't have to make all state rooms have that availability. But you're right. right. There's a lot of other cruise lines have it that available in, in all their rooms. I, I'm not sure Disney would make the investment to do it in all their rooms, but it might exactly. be smart for them to do it in you know a handful of rooms. What, what about dining, Jason? I'm just curious. I mean, it seems like they followed a fairly, I mean, they were innovative in the beginning with this rotational dining, which is still fairly innovative, I think, in the industry. But you, you did mention kind of Carnival, Royal Caribbean, they have Get on, get on one of these huge ships and you've got a bunch of different options. And Disney is sort of three rotational dining rooms, two adult you know, offerings, the adults, you know, Palo is on every ship, Remy's on two of them. Do you see them doing anything different with, with dining? Yeah. I, I mean, I wonder, you know, now you have the three rotational dining uh, rooms usually, but if you're going to have one of these new ships doing week long, which I'm, imagine, you know, they are going to have one of them, which I think will probably replace the fantasy. Um, In that regard, I think you almost could add a fourth restaurant in there. Mm-hmm. I think that could be interesting. I, I wonder if, if any, uh, at any point, are they going to team up with a celebrity chef, maybe even Thomas Collar, although they, they have the, the teaming with Seaborn right now. But I do wonder if there's areas where they could innovate in there a little bit. I think that could happen. Even, you know, I have to say that probably the, the, the food that I least like on Disney is probably the pizza. I think that's one area where they could improve a little bit. But uh, other than that, their main dining room, I think, has always been spectacular. Yeah, the pizzas at Paulo are much better. They call them flatbreads, but they're 
pizza. <laughs> Definitely. What's, I guess that, that is one specific question I want to ask is how did, how do you think the food on Disney compares to some of these other cruise lines? Cause I think it's. And, and setting aside sort of Paulo and Remy, I would say yeah. sort of the main dining food, grill food, the sort of the, the food that's available to the masses. Uh, yeah. Cause I've, I've yeah. heard people say like that they've been on cruise lines where the food is just inedible in the main dining room. And I'm, I'm trying yeah. to, we've, we've been on celebrity. I didn't find it to be particularly better or worse than, than Disney, but I, I don't know about like Royal Caribbean and, and right. Carnival. Well, a lot of the reason why I actually put Disney in more of a premium category is because of their food. Cause I think it is a notch above Carnival, Royal Caribbean and a region. I mean, you're in the main dining room and they even have like, you know, truffles and some of their things like that. That's or even you go to the, the buffet and they have, you know, shrimp just out there ready to go. Like some of these things are definitely added costs that you wouldn't see on some of the more mainstream lines. So I think that's really what sets them above. And, and for Lighthouse Point, Jason, anything in yeah. particular you're hoping to see out of Lighthouse Point that's sort of not on Castaway Key? Yeah, so I'm hoping they'll do more with the way of pools. Like, I think it's cool that you have the, the beach, and I think that's really what Disney's always done is integrating the natural landscape. But I think a lot more of the other ones are doing more in the way of pools, more interactive water features. Maybe you'll have more of an aqua lab kind of thing mm -hmm. actually at uh, Lighthouse Point. I think that'll go a long way. Like I said, I think in that that rendering, it does look like there's going to be a zip line. So I'm kind of hoping there'll be a little bit more of that as well. Maybe an opportunity for more theming. Like, you know, there's always a backstory for Castaway Key, but it's a little less pronounced. I think you could do a little bit more storytelling maybe with a new one. Yeah, I would love to see some pools on the island. I think that would be really nice and even a lazy river, you know. Oh, lazy God, river. Oh, yeah. That would be even better. I'm really yeah. sad that they kind of it sounds like they've abandoned the Reflections Resort at Disney World because they were going to put a lazy river in there. Oh, well, the um, the Reflections Retirement Home. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, or rehab facility. Yeah. <laughs> Just the name is terrible. I'm actually hoping they'll put some dining like dining yeah. is the wrong word, but some yeah. different food options. Cause I think Castaway Key is great. That barbecue is great, but it's the, it's the same. Like there's, there's nothing innovative yeah, about it. It would be kind of cool if they had a couple of, if they had like a, not a formal sit down, but like sort of a, just, well, or just, just offer up some Caribbean food or yeah. Mexican food, something, right. I mean, yeah. something mm -hmm. to give you an option. The pineapple cakes are delicious, but I've had them enough. By now. Right. <laughs> what about onboard technology? You know, oh, do yeah. You, yeah. Do you think are, are you hoping for anything with the new Disney ships? Are you hoping for them to maybe follow in Princess's footsteps in any way or some of the other innovations that some of the other cruise lines are doing or or do something new that you think, you know, Disney either should or, or might do? Yeah, I think, you know, Disney always has had a great degree of interactivity. Like I'm thinking of even like the Muppets uh, detective agency game. I think that's so cool. But I think from more of a practical standpoint, if they go in the way of Princess and have more of the Ocean Medallion technology, you know, they've always been at the forefront with uh, the Magic Band. So why not take that that extra step uh, further and have more integration of being able to like, you know, shop on board, you know, mm -hmm. order your food, drinks anywhere you are on the ship. I think I think that there is definitely an opportunity for Disney uh, to go that direction as well. Yeah, I wonder if we'll see a lot of the cruise lines sort of move forward in technology in general because of COVID-19. I'm just, you know, because mm -hmm. right now there's a lot of places on ships where people have to sort of congregate. And I'm wondering if virtual queues and app ordering and things like that on all of the cruise lines will become more of a thing. Yeah, very true. I think, yeah, just, uh, yeah, you know, born out of necessity, I think you're going to yeah. have more of that. Yep. Well, and imagine, I mean, it's, it's sort of interesting. I know Disney had sent out a survey at one point around like voice assistance, basically, and, and what you would 
Like, what are the dollar threshold values that you might be willing to spend? Like for a Google home in your stateroom. Yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Would you be willing to book a port excursion on it or buy a piece of artwork or whatever it is? And it's just, it's interesting to play with the idea of what if I don't have to go to the store anymore to buy my souvenir? Like, what if I just browse Mm -hmm. some application? We're all used to shopping on Amazon. I like that shirt, you know, and they they deliver it to my stateroom. When it frees up space, right? That store is no longer there. So now you have space to do some other entertainment offering and the merchandise is just stored, you know, in a very compact way somewhere in the ship and your stateroom attendant brings you your bag with your yeah. stuff in it at night. It's, it's interesting to I think don't through. Think, I, don't think the, I don't think they'll do that though, because for the store, the way they get people to buy is through browsing, especially with their kids, right? Like, so when we go into the stores, we try and when we're on a Disney cruise, we try and go into the stores without our kid, because if he goes in, he's going to be asking for us to buy him like yeah. everything. Whereas if we go in ourselves, we'll browse. But I, I will say, I do think browsing in store makes you buy a souvenir that you might not, that you're not necessarily looking for right like whereas like amazon shopping it's like i'm looking for this thing and amazon might be the easiest way for me to find you know this thing yeah although i think about that store that's on the there's like the four different stores or the three different stores right there's the one that always sells the luxury good items like i really am curious how much how much product they move on a particular cruise and whether they would just be better served at shrinking that down you know so yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. i'm curious to know too which uh of the ships are you a classic ships person or are you a you know a dream class ship yeah magic or magic yeah. or dream class i like them um, okay so i actually had an ta- opportunity to see the disney fantasy being built so i actually went over to the shipyard when it was under construction so that was super cool so i, I call that my ship baby <laughs> um, so I, I definitely impartial to that one of the four but you know there's things about the magic class that i really do like better like i think they do have uh, a larger pool for the adults uh, the one that's on the dream of the fantasy is a little smaller but granted you have the two other ones for families so i know that they were trying to find that balance but there's just little things you know uh the fact that remy is available on the dream of the fantasy but not on the wonder and the magic goes a little bit of a long way. Yeah, I, they all have their own little personalities, right? It mm-hmm. just depends on what you're looking for. Any favorite memories from your time aboard the Disney cruises, Jason? Oh, man, that's a good question. So I think really whenever they do the Marvel Day at Sea and the Star Wars Day at Sea, it just adds a really cool level to what they've already done. Like you have the characters on board usually and it's, you know, the usual Mickey Minnie, and that's awesome. We love those guys. But uh, going on Marvel Day and seeing, you know, Tony Stark and Iron Man and all of that, it's just it just adds a whole nother level of excitement for that day. And I love that kind of stuff. When I've heard at Marvel Day, they actually can do stuff with the characters. Is that right? Like they like Star Wars Day at Sea, you don't see Mickey walking around dressed up like Yoda. But I feel like I've heard at Marvel Day at Sea, you actually see some of the Disney characters sort of themed out to Marvel a little bit. Yeah, so they have the th- this thing where like Mickey and Minnie are like dressed up in kind of like their favorites, or they're almost it's almost like they're on uh, a Halloween cruise and they're dressing up like those characters. It's kind of fun. <laughs> nice, that's, that's fun. really fun. That is that is fun. Well, Jason, it's been really. F- on uh, talking to you about the cruise lines and Disney Cruise Line, uh, we're going to shift gears over to our rapid fire round, which is Sam's favorite part of the show. So I'm going to throw it nice. over to Sam to ask you uh, some rapid fire questions. Yeah. So Sounds these good. so these are all Disney focused uh, questions. And as we always tell our guests, there are no right answers to these questions unless you think like Paulo is bad and then. You're not going to talk anymore. So the first couple of questions are just general Disney. And then after that, we'll do mostly uh, we'll do some DCL questions. So your favorite Disney or Pixar character? I'd have to say Goofy. Yeah. Yes. You got to go classic Fab Five. Right. Yep. Favorite Disney or Pixar movie? Uh, Beauty and the Beast for Disney, for sure. If, I, if I'm going to add Pixar in there, I'll probably say Ratatouille. Yeah. I mean, those are both 
I, I didn't realize Thomas Kel- Keller had consulted on that movie, and now it's like it's just adding one more check in the yeah, yeah. in the column of what right. I love. That he's, movie he's actually in there on the the behind the scenes making of on the the original DVD, so you should check it out. Oh, okay, nice. We are we like are obsessed with Ratatouille, but I don't think we've ever watched the making of. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Yeah. Favorite Disney song? Under the Sea. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, favorite DCL ship. I already know what you're going to answer. Yeah, this is your cruise Disney baby. Fantasy, yeah. my, my ship baby. Yep, that's the one. Now, were you booked on uh, the ABD to go see the Wish under construction then? I, you know, I looked into that and I, I, I talked to them. I haven't actually booked it yet, but I would love to be on that. I think that's a super cool offering. Yeah. yeah. Okay, favorite rotational dining restaurant. It doesn't have to be on the Fantasy. It could be on any of the four ships. It actually is on the Wonder. I like Tiana's place. Oh, yeah, that's my favorite. That's a Brian's favorite too. Yeah. I like animators, but we still haven't been in, on in, on the magic, so we haven't been to the the tangled one. And I think oh, that's cool too. Yeah, yeah, I think that one might end up being my favorite when we finally get on the what, magic. What is the so the I I don't know that I know what is the theming of tangled for the food and is there a theme because on the Tiana's place you could sort of key it to New Orleans, but I'm trying to figure out what right. tangled would be. It was yeah, it was more you know tied to the narrative of the movie. I, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a specific food genre. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's where I'd love to see them do Coco as a themed restaurant because then they could like there needs to be that food tie in, I feel like, to really up, yeah. amp up the theme. OK, favorite adult dining. I'd have to say Remy on the Dream and the Fantasy. Super cool. Brunch or dinner or dessert? Uh, I'm going to say dinner because I think my, the next question that's coming up is brunch at Palo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So favorite onboard food. Yeah, that's the one brunch at Palo. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny because for I would for me I would put Paulo brunch as the, my favorite both right favorite adult dining, yeah. but I, Remy dinner is a is a really close second for me as well. And honestly, I haven't done the Remy brunch yet, so you, you have to tell me about that. How's oh, that? Oh, it's really really I good. It's not so I would the say the champagne is the star yeah. of Remy brunch. Yeah. The, it pairs really well with the food. The food is like Remy dinner, where it's very adventurous, uh, adventurous, and, and you know. Luxury. gastronomy you know molecular mm-hmm. gastronomy going on um it's it's a really lovely experience i would say if you're on a longer disney cruise i would i would do all four right but it's i think when you're on when i say longer i mean like longer than seven i think seven nights is is that's a those four meals are a lot on a seven night cruise we've done that yeah. once and it's just like yeah. you just feel like mm-hmm. so overstuffed but yeah, I think for like an 11 night or a two week or something like that, you got to hit, I think, all four. What are your favorite dishes at Palo, Jason? Ooh, at Palo? Oh, man. I love the flatbreads that they have. I even just love the uh, their ahi tuna, like the, the peppery ahi tuna. Mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic for the brunch anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Favorite part of the ship? I'm actually going to say the atrium. I, I consider it the hub and the heart of the ship. And I think it's just a really fun place to spend some time people watching and character watching. Yeah, I love it. I love watching da- the Jack Jack's diaper dash. Yeah, isn't that cute? Yeah. It's interesting because I've heard that. So I don't remember getting on the celebrity ships, but I've heard people say that like boarding a Disney ship is unique because they put you right into the atrium and a lot of the other ships will just put you out on mm. Like a deck? It, it, do yeah. you, is that true, Jason? Or? That is true. That is true. And, and a, lot, a lot of that comes down to the, the just like the practicality of where you can put the, the gangway, honestly. But yeah, it, yeah, I, I think it makes a big difference. Like here's the the first 
here's just your first glimpse at the ship and this is really what's introducing you to everything and it makes a big difference. Oh yeah, the seeing sort of the the statue and the chandeliers and all I mean well, it's just the way a they beautiful welcome you on board with, you know, yeah, you announcing know. your family. Yeah, it's had, a really beautiful way to enter a cruise, I would agree. We had someone come on recently who said, you know, he likes to go after the his family boards, he likes to go up a level and just watch some of the other families mm. come through because their mm-hmm. reactions are just really interesting right. especially for the people who haven't been on a ship one of the ships before. So yeah. That's awesome. Okay, favorite onboard activity. I'm going to say the aqueduct. Love that thing. Yeah, it's so yeah. fun. Favorite DCL itinerary. Uh, anything that's a week longer or longer because I, I the three and the four nights are just too short. I want to spend a lot more time on board. Yeah, absolutely. Fav- uh, bucket list. So bucket list uh, cruise and then a bucket list ship. And it doesn't have to be on Disney. These don't have to, have to be, be Disney. Disney. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah, I would say the bucket list cruise is Australia. Mm-hmm. And I think with three ships coming out, you never know. Disney might even get down down under, right? So I think that would be cool. Oh, that and would be And bucket amazing. list ship is, I'm going to say the Disney Wish because it's not out yet and I'm super excited to see it. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's a good, that's a great pick. <laughs> well, Jason, it's been great having you on and, and a lot of fun sort of talking about all the cruise experience you've had. Where can folks uh, find more about you? Yeah, so my brand is at popularcruising.com. Or if you want to just go straight for the the YouTube videos, just youtube.com backslash popularcruising. Awesome. Well, it's definitely worth checking out. I've checked out uh, several of your videos. They're they're great. Uh, You can also learn more about Jason in the Joy of Cruising book that Paul uh, Thornton, one of our recent guests, authored. But Jason, it's been great having you on. Thanks for coming on tonight. Likewise. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Well, you are not going to find a much more authoritative source on cruising than Jason. Uh, I really encourage you to head over to his vlog and check it out. There's a lot of great content over there. To have someone on the show who's been on over 150 cruises, sailed on all four Disney ships, and is a platinum Castaway Key member, it's really great to have that kind of expertise on the show to be able to compare Disney to some of the other cruise lines that are out there. And and I do think it's good uh, from time to time to step back to make sure that this product that we've all come to love really is maintaining that Disney standard of quality that we appreciate and really stacks up against some of the competition out there. So I think we heard from Jason tonight that it does. So that's good news. I wanted to be sure to read one of our five-star reviews on the air. Tonight's review comes from a real friend of the show, Bobby from Texas. Bobby writes, great show. I have been listening since podcast one and enjoying every minute. Well, we really appreciate you being there from the beginning, Bobby. Some of those early shows are rough. It's still early days. So perhaps some of these shows are going to be pretty rough, but we really appreciate the support and the review. So thank you for listening. And thank you to everyone out there for listening this week. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can keep getting great content from the DCL duo each week. Please also head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Those reviews are really helpful in making the podcast more visible and helping us to get more listeners and subscribers. If you'd like to send us a question or be a guest on the show, please email us at dclduo at gmail.com or reach out to us on social media at dclduo. You can also head over to the DCL Duo channel on YouTube for even more great content. And we did tease a little bit of a video series that we're going to be launching here in the next week or so. So stay tuned for that. The DCL Duo podcast and vlog are not affiliated with Disney Cruise Line, the Walt Disney Company, or the Walt Disney family of theme parks. The views expressed on the show are solely those of the individuals on the podcast and in no way reflect the views of the Walt Disney Company or Disney Cruise Line. If you have a question about a Disney cruise or a Walt Disney vacation, please contact Disney directly or your own travel agent. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time for another fabulous Disney adventure with the DCL Duo. Good night.